hard. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 238, Trapeze Hot Wire. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where it's breakfast with the purples, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Hotwire Hangover Matola. <laughs> oh no, do you have a, a hangover? You know, I, I don't like, I don't get hangovers much anymore. Well, la dee good because, for you. <laughs> maybe because I don't drink. Maybe because I don't drink a lot. Uh, I get well, hangovers actually, no. when I don't drink, so. Anybody, anybody that knows me knows that that's a lie. I do drink. But um, no, I was, uh, no, I was out last night and... Uh, yeah, things just kind of uh, kind of went off the rails. Uh, started off with a couple of glasses of wine, and then wound up with some uh, booze, and then uh, me waking up face down, uh, being like, mm-hmm. um, "So yeah, it takes me it takes me a little while to like peel myself out of bed, but once I am, I am uh, I'm good to go." But I I I hope that maybe after today's episode, I'll have a hot wire hangover. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Maybe this guy's a live wire over here. We're going to turn him into a hot wire. Um, yeah, well, we're doing a, 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 a early morning recording. So you should you should have behaved last night if you knew we were doing an early morning recording. Actually, I kind of forgot until you texted me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll be on a little early. And you're like, oh, shit, we're recording this morning. I'm like, oh, God damn it, we're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I usually know by the calendar invites, and I don't know that I saw one in there until this morning, uh, which I'm, I'm not saying you sent it this morning, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't show up until uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But uh, um, so, um, yeah, yesterday was, um, let me see, a special somebody's birthday. and um, It was Nick Simper. Happy yeah, birthday to Nick Yeah, I wonder Simper. what he did. I don't know. Did he go to the <laughs> Deep Purple show? Oh wait! It was also your birthday. It was also my birthday. I do share a birthday with Nick Semper. We, uh, yeah, I'm. I was. I always thought like if I ever met him, that would be just like the super lamest thing to say. Hey, we have the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember when I when I was in first grade, my friend uh, Bupon had the same birthday as me. So we were, we, and my teacher made this tree with all these leaves with all the birthdays on it, and I was the only. We were the only two that shared a leaf. And like my my friend Dave, he still brings that up like anytime. Like he'll never forget my birthday. He's like, you and Boopon, you are the only two that to share a leaf. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. Uh, so um, so uh, yeah. What did you uh, what did you do on the uh, the momentous occasion of you and Nick Simper's birthday yesterday? I'd I'd like to say I had big plans, but um. Yeah, my plan was pretty much to like I was going to put up like a little gate down here for the dog and I was going to just clean up a little bit around the house. It was kind of mm-hmm. lame. And I was like, you know what? I've you know, we've been working so much lately. I haven't had like two days off in a row for a long time. So I was like, I'm just going to like 
like Jen's asking me all week, what do you want to do for your word? What do you? And I was like, I want you to stop asking me. Like, I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. So we just like, I was like, you know what? Let's just get some takeout and watch a movie. Um, and yeah, we did that. But my, my, my daughter ended up getting sick and coming home from school almost immediately. So I went and picked her up, took her to urgent care. <laughs> um, hmm. and she was just, yeah, she was feeling pretty lousy all day. So we just kind of lied down on the couch and watched whatever she wanted to watch and, um, made her, made her lunch and all that sort of stuff, which is actually like, you know, to me, that's, that's like a nice, perfect, relaxing day. Took the dog on several walks and yeah, it was pretty much it. Pretty, pretty low key. Yeah, it's um almost makes me feel bad that I'm getting all the deep purple birthdays and you're I'm getting the exciting deep purple birthdays and you're not. Yeah, on your birthday it's <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um yeah, my birthday's pretty low key. Your birthday has pretty been pretty um high key. <laughs> and, well, only the, only the past couple of years. Yeah, um, and I've Glenn Hughes pretty... is once again playing on your birthday. We haven't decided if you're going to come uh so you so you you'd get to have two Birthdays in a row with Roger Glover, one with Glenn Hughes, and then we'd have to somehow figure out a way you could spend it with Nick Simper next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Nick. Or maybe if you're me listening. and Nick could have one of those joint birthday parties. We could I could make a leaf <laughs> with me and Nick Simper's name on it. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah, see, now it'll be like Nate Nate and Nikki. Yeah, exactly. Nate and Nikki's uh, birthday bash. <laughs> we could like go like rent out a Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well yeah nikki if you're listening balls in your court yeah come on yeah let's make this happen um but hey uh, since since we're on the subject there is uh there is uh something we're gonna do a little earlier than we normally do and that is postcards from the edge of connecticut and uh the reason i bring yeah, this up early early yeah. is because um i got this postcard in the mail yesterday on my birthday so nice. that right there, and it says, uh, oh boy. Zum Gerberstag, die, uh, die besten Wunsch. My German is amazing. Sorry, Rafkat. It's not so good. <laughs> My German is not so good. It says, and that means, hey, does anybody out there like having sex? No. <laughs> that would be a great postcard, though. But this one is from, uh, of course, the Gardo. It says, Nate, now here's a birthday wish for you. Of Deutsch, darling. <laughs> Happy birthday. Translation. <laughs> Best wishes for your birthday. Nice. Um, and it's uh, funny. It's it's dated on my birthday and it's postmarked on October 30th, but it arrived on my birthday. So it's the only birthday card or postcard or anything I got in the mail on my actual birthday. So thank you very much. Oh, that was good timing. Yeah. And I love how he still abbreviates the state with like the old style abbreviations. I-L-L for Illinois instead of I-L. And, and it still gets there. for mass. And um, mm. I, th this one came in actually a little while ago. We're late recording this week. Uh, but uh, this one is of the uh, the late uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In front of a group of people. And it says, um, uh, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. delivering a sermon in the amphitheater, October 1963, Mount Holyoke College. Says Nate. Now here's a greeting from Mount Holyoke College for you, Pete, and it's signed by uh, Polly, sister number two, and Eva. I'm sorry, sister number three and Eva number two. So sister number one was not available. Um, but um, yeah, nice the the, the great uh, one of the great Americans, Dr. Martin Luther King, there at Holyoke College, which is not in Holyoke, but when I was in um, fourth grade, put those in the postcard box. 
When I was in the fourth grade, my teacher was like, hey, we're going to we're going to have um, uh, pen pals. We're going to have pen pals. I was like, OK, great. I told my parents we're going to have pen pals. And I was like, I didn't know what a pen pal was. I learned what a pen mm-hmm. pal was. And we would exchange letters. And um, mine came in. It was it, her name was Christine. And she lived in Holyoke, Massachusetts, which when they told me, I thought it was I thought they were saying polio, Mal- Massachusetts. And I was like, that's a weird <laughs> thing to name a city after. <laughs> Even after a horrible disease. Um, (laughs) So it came in. I remember my dad being like, Holy Oak, Massachusetts. Like, wow, they couldn't find anyone further away to be pen pals with. We could, he's like, they could just drop the postcards off because it's like maybe an hour from where we lived. And at the time, I didn't think it might as well have been from, uh, you know, from from Rome for all I knew, like Holyoke. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, but I remember, yeah, Christine. So, Christine, if you're out there, if you're a Deep Purple fan by chance, let's let's reconnect. I I don't remember up. anything that we like wrote or said to each other, but I remember we'd exchange all year. We exchanged letters, um, and they would come to the school, and then we would, you know, we would. That was my pen pal. So, you know, it was funny because um, when you were when you're talking about that, um, I remember that. Um, E-Rock used to live like in this area. Like he actually lived down the street from where I live now. Right. Yep. And that's, that's r- literally 20 minutes from my parents' house. Yeah. yeah. And b- back when we were uh, summer vacation, we were like uh, 12, 13, 14, whatever. Definitely before we could drive, we had to be pen pals because we couldn't call each other because it was a long distance oh, call. That's right. That was so. I remember it was so annoying. I would call him, and it would be. I lived even closer to him then than you do now. Oh, than you did then. You live right well, next yeah, to where because he, you're. Yeah, because your parents' house is ten minutes away from here, and right. like I said, he's his house was like down the street. Like I could walk. Yeah, from here to where he lived, and um. And it's just like, like it was so ridiculous. Everything was long distance back then, and yep. like we couldn't do like uh, we we got in trouble a couple of times for collect calling each other. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, an hour away being pen pals. Try twenty minutes away having to be pen pals. Trying to write so letters to each other. Yeah, it was we the most drive, ridiculous thing. Call like having to stupid. call him and be like, it's a, it's it, it, you had to, you know, you, it was a long distance call to call him, and he lived yeah ten minutes from me. <laughs> It's so ridiculous, yeah. but it was a different, technically a different town or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, talk about talk about an, an, uh, a pen pal an hour away, like a pen pal like twenty minutes away. It's even more ridiculous. <laughs> well, me and Paul used to do the thing where you um, you would of course we lived in the same city, so it was probably easier. But you would address the address the envelope, but don't put the stamp on it. But you'd address it to the you put the return address as the person you wanted it to go to and then you're addressing the thing you wouldn't put the stamp on it you put it in the mail and then they would return to sender with no postage and then they would get the letter (laughs) so Uh. we did that for no reason because it wasn't even a collect call or a a long distance call for us but we would just do that just to just to uh, stick it to the man we probably did like twice we'd have built the post office out of 25 cents (laughs) or whatever it was then (laughs) aha postman Yeah, take that. Take that, U.S. government. Oh, man, I hope there's a, there's a statute of limitations on that because I don't want anyone coming after me after I just admitted to that, that heinous crime. Oh, boy. Oh, well, boy. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I think 30 years are going <laughs> to come after you. You're going to get a bill in the mail from the IRS. <laughs> yeah, compounded like you, interest. You owe us 
$32. Um, Actually, with compounded interest, it would be funny if they're like, you owe us $37. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I have that in between the cushions of my couch. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, hey, folks, if you want to support our show, you can do so a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can buy some merch at our Etsy store or become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support the show. Put, we put all that money into the show um, to buy uh, albums, which um, the album we're reviewing today was purchased with Patreon money. So thank you. It was actually purchased twice because I realized I, I thought I had the CD and I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, sh- I have to just buy. It. I just had to buy the uh, yeah. MP3 CD off of Amazon. But I also have the vinyl copy behind me. It was like I, I was like, it's worth uh, $9.99 to me to not rip the vinyl onto the computer and all that. It's just a pain in the butt. Uh. So um, you can also donate uh, dollar sign DPPOD uh, using Cash App. And you can support us on Kofi. Buy us a Kofi. A coffee, a coffee, co- coffee, coffee. Um, so yeah, thank you very much to everybody who supports the show. Um, speaking of people who support the show, I'd like to thank our first level of patrons, which is the executive level, um, starting with the in memoriam tier, which is the late wonderful Gerald, Jerry, Kelly, and family. Uh, the twenty-five dollar uncommon man tier, we have Ovis Nakvi and Purple Maniac. At the fifteen squid tier, we have Alan. At the $10 Good Doctor tier, we have, of course, the wonderful Mike Catan. Dr. Mike Catan. Sorry. Sorry about that. He didn't spend seven years in, uh, in, in Mike school to be called uh, Mr. Mike Catan. At uh, the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard, Mortensen, Mickelstein, Will Porter, PhDPP. And at the $10, someone came to here, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. And at the Hughesween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. I swear every time the blur gets later. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you didn't make the, uh, you didn't make any uh, musical changes based on my, uh, my idea. No, I'm going to. <laughs> Eventually. Okay. It's one of the other things I was going to work. I had all these plans of what I was going to do yesterday in the studio. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I even walked downstairs yesterday. So. Oh, well. Yeah, we'll see. One of these days. Um, did get an uh, interesting listener email. This was a nice, um, and this is from, oh shoot, where, where is it? So he wrote in, uh, where's his name is John and I'm going to butcher his last name. I apologize. John. Oh no. Was it an email? No, no. He might've contacted me through, um, Facebook messenger. Uh, hmm. John Poholovich. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Let me let me just switch over to my my um, Facebook messenger thing. So he wrote in and he said, um, hi, just wanted to show you my self-made two sided identical DP album collage shirt. I have no intention of reproducing and selling it due to copyrighted images. JLT liked the shirt. Keep on delivering the goods with the shows. I only discovered the show a few months ago. Wish I knew about it earlier. So he's um. We've had a little bit of a back and forth on, on Facebook, but check out the shirt that he made. Um, i share it with you. Um, I would definitely buy a copy if he was, if he was sharing. Look at that thing. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's got like, it's got deep purple in rock, pride of place in the center. It's a fireball above it. Um, you know, Stormbringer to the left there, Machine Head. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Like how Come Taste the Band is um, right on Coverdale the crotch. Is, is right on the crotch. It's perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that's, that's very cool. I've, I've seen shirts that are um, like a similar style to that, and they're very... Um, yeah, they're very cool. They make they make a statement, especially if you're going like if you're going to a Deep Purple show or um, you know event or something like that. Yep, it's like a, it's like a, it's like almost like cosplay, right? Like people make their own like uh, custom made mm. shirts. It's pretty uh, pretty cool. So thanks for sending that over, John. Um, I would definitely um, for some reason in my mind it's like a button up shirt. I think it's because of all the lines of the album covers, but yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's like fully. I don't know. I don't even know how the heck you would make it because it's like every single inch of the shirt. There's not anything that's not covered with deep purple album covers. So you got yeah. what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven on the front, and presumably eleven on the back. Um, pretty cool. All right. So here we are today to talk to you about the album Hotwire, um, and this one is. Uh, this one's interesting because it's the first trapeze album that comes to you um, after Glenn Hughes left the band and went to Deep Purple, released in 1974, same year that uh, Burn came out. So, um, John, have you ever heard this album? I don't think so. <clears throat> I think I, uh, I mean, I knew that there was a, a post Hughes album, but I only heard the uh, the Hughes album. So I never really, um, you know, I never really discovered it or went into uh trying to find it so i think we we probably talked about it in an episode at some point and i remember we talked about the other album that had the two covers like the american cover was like a, a volkswagen and then the german cover was like a naked woman with her boobs out running around yeah <laughs> it's called and they even changed the name of the album i think it was called running um in german and then it was called something else i can't remember the name of the american release um mm -hmm. But I think we talked about that 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 change. But um, oh, I, I just remembered on my desk here. I've got. Um, remember you asked you were asking me about the penny whistle. I, See, I don't hear it. Oh, you don't hear it. It's been no, I don't up. hear it. I just saw you go. <laughs> it's, just, it's like this. See, you you didn't miss much, but here you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was worth it. It's better to do. <laughs> Is that what you were trying to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Because I'm like, you were really way off. Yeah, I was way off. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was not trying to do anything since I clearly cannot play the penny whistle. You, you know, if you ever watch Star Trek, there's a, a Captain Picard plays like a penny whistle. Mm-hmm. In some in some episodes, and you, I know I never knew this until years later. But they, um, in every scene he's doing that, it's basically him with the penny whistle, and then some other person's hands come over to do the because he didn't know how to play the penny whistle. So it's like it's Patrick Stewart, <laughs> he's he's blowing into the penny whistle, and then some other guy's hands are doing this. And once you know that that's what they're doing, those scenes are so hilarious. <laughs> Because he's going, doo -doo, and the hands aren't quite moving in the same way. You know, it's just, <laughs> you gotta, you can probably find Ridiculous. it on YouTube. It's hilarious. Mm. <laughs> uh, one of the my favorite parts of that show. All right. So, yeah, um, there's not like a ton 
I looked around, man. If anybody's got any like history of trapeze or anything, there's precious little about what happens after Hughes leaves uh, that mm. I can find like history-wise. So we're just going to kind of get right into the album. We'll talk a little bit about the band. Uh, one is uh, replacing Glenn on bass um, is Pete Wright, Peter Wright. Um, he moved to America after trapeze, and he he married an American and and got a uh, he got a bartending job in San Antonio. Um, and there's actually there is a uh, picture I'll put in the show notes of him. He went to a Dead Daisies show and met up with Glenn Hughes, and they took a picture together, which was pretty cool. Um, nice. One interesting uh, uh, thing about him he was uh, he was in this terrible plane crash, Delta Airlines Flight 1141. Uh, August 31st, 1988, and he was one of 76 survivors of the crash. So I wow. like I, I I heard there was something about it posted on like a uh, an old message board post from years and years ago. So I looked up the crash, and if you go to his Facebook page, there's actually a picture of him meeting up with some of the other survivors and stuff like that. It's really interesting, terrifying uh, to read about, but. Um, I forget how many people died in the crash, like 20-something people, but uh, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, but it happened. He he ended up living in Texas uh, for most of his life, I think, and because um, trapeze was huge there. It's probably why he uh, made a home there. Um, so then we've got, you know, Dave Holland on drums and Mel Galley on guitar and, um, and vocals. Um, and then uh, you've got uh, Rob Kendrick as, a, as an additional guitar player. Um, he went on to work with Nightwing, Cloven Hoof, and Budgie. The only thing I know about Budgie is that, that like, uh, Dave Mustaine was a big fan. Do you know anything mm. by Budgie? I know they have the song "Bread Fan." That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Then, um, yeah, Metallica covered their songs in the early days. That's yeah. what I know about Budgie. Yeah, I'm a bread fan those, too, uh, so I can I can relate. Like, I, love, uh, I love bread. Oh yes, I'm a fan of bread the, the the substance not the band nothing against the band <laughs> the band's fine but no it's uh yeah there are some of those bands that are like the quote-unquote influential bands mm-hmm. and uh those early bands were really pushing them but they never never seemed to get any notoriety except for like oh yeah when that better known band covered their songs yeah i just remember like dave mustaine in an interview he's like oh yeah i like bands like budgie i'm like who the hell's budgie and i won't listen to them and it's like it's pretty rock it's like he's like it's it kind of it reminded me of a more like a more straightforward rush you know Mm -hmm. not as uh technically crazy with the with the drums and everything but um, so on production, we have Neil Slavin, who's a, a British author and producer. He worked with Decca uh, in the UK in the 60s. Um, he, and he's, uh, apparently, he's written a ton of liner notes for albums, mostly in the genre of ragtime and blues. So mm. there you go. Rhett D. Da- I don't know if it's pronounced Davis or Davies. Because I know sometimes it gets pronounced Davis. Uh, but he's son of Ray Davis or Davies, the trumpeter and band leader, not the... Um, was it, isn't that the guy from the Kinks, Ray Davis? <laughs> something, I don't know. something Davis. Um, uh, he worked with Brian Ferry, Roxy Music, Dire Straits, and the B-52s, worked for Island Music. Um, on an engineer, Steve Nye, Steve Nye, the engineer guy. Uh, he, he was a producer and pianist. He also worked with Brian Ferry and Rocky Music. He also worked with Joe Cocker and Frank Zappa on the mixing of the album Joe's Garage. That one's for the Gardo. Um... uh, Mike Sellers was an engineer, and if the name sounds familiar, he's the son of Peter Sellers. Um, He worked at Air Studios, the studio that George Martin founded. So we get a little uh, 
Hollywood royalty there, Mike Sellers. Um, I was like, I'm going to do a Pete, Pete Sellers impression. I was like, I can't, I don't even know what Peter Sellers sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he, he just, he sounds like a British guy. <laughs> so cool, cool, blimey. There you go, that's my well, Peter no, Sellers. Well, maybe not, no, not like a... Not like, like a, a low class not as, British. Not as Cockney. Um, yeah. cool, cool blimey. Is that more proper? <laughs> yeah, maybe more proper. I don't know. I, I've always, I've only seen him, like, growing up, I would only see Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther movies. Yes, in the Pink Panther movies. And wasn't he in... Um, and he played a French detective, so he did, an, he did an accent for the whole, for all the films, so he never really spoke in his real voice. Right, that's so. right. Oh yes, we uh, we. Oui, oui. <laughs> I'm Peter Sellers. <laughs> Wasn't he? Um, right, you know. <laughs> that's my Peter Sellers. Wasn't he? Um, in the uh, the the Woody what, that that Woody Allen movie? Like he didn't he do like that James Bond parody, like Casino Royale? And I think I think so. Peter it's, Sellers it's was while, in that with him. Yeah, there. Yeah, some of those. A lot of those kind of like late sixties kind of. Uh, mod party kind of movies or whatever uh just never i never really liked them that much it was yeah i remember what when i was on like when we you know we were probably hanging out when i was on like my big woody allen kick and i watched like every woody allen movie that was released to date so i watched mm. the that that movie and it was probably not not the well i don't think it was even technically a woody allen movie i think he was just in it he played yeah. like a weird, I don't know. He played a weird guy, I was going to say, but he always plays a weird guy. <laughs> oh, Another weird guy. God, jeez. Oh, well, I think it was because of, what. maybe it was because of you, but I watched uh, a lot of, uh, consumed a lot of Woody Allen movies too. And uh, actually, I haven't seen them in a while, but they, no. I just remember they were really, you have to have a certain sense of humor for them, which we obviously did and do. Yeah. <laughs> like, but unfortunately he's become a little complicated, <laughs> but, mm. um, but yes, I haven't watched a Woody Allen movie in a really long time, but, um, yeah. anyway, um, also we've got Dave Hutchins as an engineer. He worked with Genesis and the lamb lies down on Broadway. He also worked with our friend, Martin Ford on the smoothing album who actually Martin emailed me just a few days ago. And he said that he went to go see Glenn Hughes. Oh, when he cool. was in the UK. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so I, I emailed him back, but I haven't heard back yet. But he was just kind of giving me his review of the show and just how awesome he thought Glenn was. And um, mm. yeah, it's pretty cool. Glad he's still uh, getting out there and checking out shows. Um, I just included this because it sounds ridiculous, but Dave Hutchins also worked with a group called the Fred Banana Combo. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just too good to pass up. Uh, and then the other engineer is Don Stewart. This is his only credit on Discog, so he must not have done um, anything mm. else uh, with that. So um, with that, we're on to the album art. John, uh, it's not Sunday, but there is a Sunday on this album cover. Tell me what you think of this album cover. You know, I have seen the album cover before. Um, and um, it just it makes me think of a 50s diner. Which yep. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but I mean they must have been. Um, but yeah, you just get that '50s diner type thing. But upon closer inspection, you have some little little things in there. Um, I, I, I like the way the um, it, it's very interesting because it's like okay, a uh, hot fudge Sunday on a trapeze album because before <laughs> you had like this bizarre art for um 
for Medusa mm-hmm. and then a live shot for um uh you are the music yeah there's absolutely you have yeah, that like victorian painting on the front there's absolutely no consistency in the album covers they're all over the place which is cool yeah yeah but this this one's kind of neat uh because in the sunday it kind of incorporates that electricity theme in there because the cherry is is a little like a little light bulb up there yeah you see the little coil running through it right yeah and then hot wire is wired up you have a little frankenstein bolts on either side of the bottom of the <laughs> yeah. dish there yep. with hot wire spelled out in that uh what is it that neon diner uh whatever it is uh um, yep uh glass thing and then the eye for wire is a little electrical bolt yeah, so it's, it's frayed so there's like electricity shooting out of it yeah so it's uh it, it's kind of neat i don't I'm not sure what that has to do with a hot fudge Sunday or mm-hmm. banana split or whatever the hell this thing is, but uh, it's uh, and then of course the two straws are blowing out some smoke, probably yep. uh, a little uh, whatever you call it um, exhaust, yeah, or whatever. Steam, just the, like it's like they're heating, they're getting heated up by the Frankenstein bolts, as you put it. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty. Cool cover. It's uh, I, I feel like it's kind of uh, it's kind of dated uh, to the time. It feels like a very uh, mid seventies album cover trying to call back to the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the green, mm-hmm. that kind of green color, the, the Doctor um, Feel Good green. Yeah, it's like that exact <laughs> well, same tone. Well, I, I was thinking more when you see green around this period of time it's like that was the color that uh, a lot of kitchens and kitchen appliances yeah. were which is very dated to the 70s and early 80s yeah your so fridge was either either this color the avocado or it was goldenrod we had the goldenrod fridge yeah i, I wanted yeah i want to say we had that to, you know what i can't remember yeah we had that yellow, ugly yellow fridge this was the color of our carpet in our living room and my parents <laughs> living room was like this maybe a little darker but Pretty yeah. much the same. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was just a, uh, a cool concept that they might have come up with, or uh, I don't. I don't know how it would tie into the album or the band, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty creative. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess more creative than if they just put a band photo on the front. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got the so, building blocks in the background, making like mm-hmm. a pyramid, and it spells out trapeze. And it looks like it's like, um, what is that? Like needlepoint or something? That's how they like the letters look. Like it, it reminds me of what was it like the the um, intro to Mama's Family? Wasn't there like a, like a needlepoint sort of thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, me- you know what? It made me it made me think of that um, that video game like the Z, the the little uh, diagonal part of the Z makes me think of those uh, things in like Snafu. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> Remember Snafu from Intellivision? Yeah, yeah. I got my Intellivision right over there. Sadly, it does not work anymore. Piece of junk. Uh, Stopped yeah, I working know. after those, almost fifty years. Cut, cutting, <laughs> cutting edge sound effects such as. <laughs> I just remember the 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 freaking. Did you have poker for the Intellivision? <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, that was the that was the one game I think it came with it. But being a yeah. kid, you're like, okay, what the hell am I going to do with this? My dad would use it and would play. We would play the poker, and the the dealer scared the living shit out of me. Like just seeing that dealer, 
Yeah. And when he would get, like, if you lost, he would get mad. I don't know why he'd get mad at you, but he'd get mad and he'd, his eyebrows would go, and I was like, ah, <laughs> it's terrifying <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting album cover. Definitely jumps out at you. Nice, bright colors. Um, then we've got uh, the back cover. Got a picture of all the band members. I got the new guys there. And um, yeah, just all the credits. Um, this album cover was uh, design was done by um, Seabrook Graves and Aslet Associates um, for the art direction. It was a company in England. They worked with uh, Peter Paul, and Mary, the Everly Brothers, Faces, Billy Ocean, and many more. The illustration the illustration is credited to Wurlitzer, and there's no other credits by that. I don't mm-hmm. know person, group, robot. Piano, I don't know what it is, on, on uh, Discogs, just, just says Wurlitzer, so it doesn't really explain anything. And then the photo- photography was by Roy Cuthbert, who only had a few other uh, credits as well. So, Who's that, who's that guy over on the left? It looks like, it looks like his school picture. Um, that must be, and I'm, uh, it does. <laughs> um, that like mu- all the rest of all the rest of them look like band pictures, but this one on the left, it looks like, he looks like he's like 18. Because it's it, yeah, and it looks picture. like it has that like kind of like fake uh tree background that you get at like Olin Mills. Yeah. You know, the fake <laughs> the fake trees. I remember I had one was like there was like a library behind me. It was just like an airbrushed library. That must be Rob Kendrick, I think. Because I th- I'm pretty sure the guy on the top right is uh Peter Wright, but I could mm-hmm. be mistaken. All right. Close that out. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much all we got leading up to this album again. If anyone's got any inside scoop on this era or this stuff, let us know, because um, I, I, I struggled to find really anything that was that was super relevant. So right now we're going to get into our core level patrons and then we're going to get right into the music of this album. So um, our core level patrons uh, starting off with. Um, None other than the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the $6.99 new nice price tier. We have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea at the episode $6.66 tier. We have Steve Coldwell and Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows at the $6.65 Almost Evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore, Michael Bagford, and Richie Sucksmith at the $5.99 The Nice Price tier. Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. And at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have none other than Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. And at the $5 Moneylender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi, The Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and Coyote Bongwater. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, so before we... Uh, get into it um just very quickly all these tracks are written by mel galley and his brother tom except for steal a mile which was co-written by david holland dave holland so there we go um i won't show my hands but i have i've actually listened to some quite a few times so i'm excited to get into it with you so um this one starts off with oh i think i have the volume a little high let's see here all right this one starts off with the track backstreet love 
It definitely sounds like a trapeze riff. For sure. This has a very uh, ZZ Top sort of sound of the riff anyway. Oh boy. All right, they bas- they basically got a Glenn Hughes impersonator, it sounds like. That's Mel Galley. Which is great. I mean, he said, what? Well, yeah, I mean, it's. He's obviously making an effort to make it sound like the trapeze sound, which is good. Yeah. Because I think we've talked because about like, you, some of the other um, trapeze songs. Sometimes I can't tell when it's Glenn or not. Well, yeah, because if you told me this was Hughes on vocals, I would say, yeah, it is. Pretty rocking. It's got a big fat bass sound. Yep. I feel like these guys, just from hearing like a minute of this, that they knew what the trapeze sound was and they were not trying to like diverge from it. Yeah, like it's funny because they, in the first lineup change of trapeze, they they went so. Like they, 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 the sound changed so much from the first album to the second album, and then this one they, they're like, "Well, we've got a fan base. We know what they're expecting, so let's deliver yeah, on once, that." It's it's once they found their sound, they decided to stick with it. The bass is really nice on this. So that first solo was by um, the new guitarist, and this is Mel right now. It seems like here it only credits Mel Gallia's backing vocals, which is weird because let's see if the if the album cover is a little different. Yeah, it says Mel Galley lead vocals on the thing, but for some reason on Discogs, it just says backing vocals. Hmm. Right. 
On the album back, it says, thanks to roadies Andy Field and Dave Whitehouse for keeping the pot hot. I know what that means. You were saying it had a, uh, what, like a ZZ Top kind of sound? I'm hearing My Woman from Tokyo right now. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, um, like Fog Hat. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like bands like that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely of its time for sure. Um, what was that? Uh, yeah. Was it, um, was it that, uh, who was the, the, were they the band that did, um, what was the name of the song? I just, I just want to make love to you. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was Fog That was Fog yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of, kind of had that sound to it. So I, I think a, uh, mid to late seventies rock band. Yeah, I was, just, I was thinking more slow ride, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was the, um, I think it was the uh, the the uh, the guitar the bam, 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 when yeah. he bent it up like that. That sounded very uh, from that song. Hey, uh, like very kind of familiar. But I'm sure a lot of bands around that time had the same playing similar gear and guitars mm-hmm. and stuff and production styles and whatever. But it, it yeah, it sounded it sounded good. And uh, and Slow Ride came out the year after this, so maybe Fograt. Fog rat. <laughs> fog hat stole their sound from trapeze. Fog rat, the fog hat tribute band. <laughs> it's but it's it's made up of rats. It's like people dressed up as rats. Or fog rat. Maybe we can get so, them to play a Chuck E. Cheese when we do our joint birthday party. <laughs> you and Nikki. Me and Nikki, yeah. I sell the idea on them. Um Okay, so what do you think of Backstreet Love? Uh well, it could be could be kind of dangerous, darling. <laughs> He's stalling as he opens the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know me so well. Yeah, it's like me with the um, patrons. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Yes, so uh, I'll I'll give this one a three point five. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I like how they uh, seemingly were staying with the trapeze formula, uh, which was that kind of riff uh i mean of course it was the same guitar player so of course it's going to sound like a a uh a mel a mel galley riff mel galley joint a mel galley joint yeah it's going to sound like him but they they kept like a big kind of booming bass sound um the vocals were very hughes-esque so it was kind of right off the bat he's like Like he's doing all like the little things throwing him in there yeah. And I mean, whether that was his style or not, or whether he was um, purposely trying to emulate Hughes a little bit, I feel like there was a conscious effort, at least with this song. We'll see how the rest of the album sounds. Sure. Um, that they were going, okay, this this is our formula. Like you said before, we have a, a built-in audience. We have an audience already. Let's stick with this type of thing. So even though we have new members, it's not going to be this jarring new sound, kind of like first album to second album type of thing. Right. The only thing I didn't like about it was it was kind of slower to mid tempo for an opening track. Yeah. Um, 
something uh, something a little more upbeat or up tempo, um, like they did for um, um, like on um, uh, the other the other two albums, like uh, Medusa or You Are the Music. Yep, would have been good. And the production seemed a little faint on this one. Like the production on the other two albums seemed much more crisp yeah. and upfront. And this one seems a little more uh, reverby. The drums kind of seemed a little in the background a little bit. So uh, the production seemed a little lacking, I guess you could say, um, for lack of a better word. Maybe for the drums, because I liked how the bass was really kind of full and out front. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it didn't seem to be as um, um, maybe mixed or produced as well um, as, say, uh, Medusa would probably be. I mean, aside from the songs and the performances being fantastic, I just think that the the production on that album is so uh, so dry and separated and, and crisp, and, and and that's what I would have liked to have heard. But this one seems uh, a little kind of muddled. I wonder if 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 this just hasn't had the benefit of having any remixing or remastering, or or, mm. or at least not as much as the others because they got all the attention from the Glenn Hughes thing. Mm. So this the, these later trippies albums might have been. A little more yeah. ignored in that regard, but I agree. I give it three point five as well. I really I like this track, um, and uh, yeah, I think you said it all, my friend. Um, which brings us to the next track on the album, which is called "Take It On Down the Road." So, ooh, here we go. So this song has backing vocals by Kenny and Misty, Kenny Cole and Misty Browning. Sounds like Lick It Up. <laughs> John oh, Ogden another one. On, on Congas. He did some, some percussion work with them on the previous album, Near the Music. Terry Rowley from the original lineup plays organ on this as well. So another, um, Kind of mid-tempo-y rocker. Yeah, it has the same kind of kind of tempo as the first song. And there's a sax section coming up. kind of like wah-wah 
sort of a wah pedal. Um, That's very cool. Sounds like you had the wah pedal on earlier and they weren't supposed to include that in the mix, but they were like, ah, screw it, we'll just put it in. <laughs> As he was warming up. This solo, that solo is uh, Mel. The sax player coming up is someone we've probably heard more than anybody else on this album cumulatively in our lives. So, yeah. It sounds like it's fading out almost, but it's not. Nice bass there. Yeah, that's some cool bass stuff going on. Here, the sax is here. Kind of cool, subtle, and it's just this one guy playing all the different parts. He goes. So the sax player is uh, Chris Mercer. He played with uh, John Mayall. Um, you might remember him from groups that we talked about many, many episodes ago. Uh, Win mm -hmm. Winder K. Frog, Juicy Lucy, and Keith Hartley. Uh, so he was the sax, one of the sax players on Jesus Christ Superstar. So, right, we've heard. I remember. <laughs> How can you forget Winder K Frog? <laughs> Hi ho! Hi -ho. This is Winder K Frog here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it down. Take it on down the road. What do you think of that one? Um, I'll um, I'll give this one another um, another three point five. Um, I, I think these are pretty. Pretty decent, uh, pretty decent sounding uh, songs. Um, I like. Um, I mean, I like the bass. I like the fact that mm -hmm. they they um, they brought in um, a bass player that at least was just not sitting there in the background and unremarkable. Like you had, like Pete Ray was doing the boom, 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 like doing all stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it reminds yeah, me it's, of of uh, Neil Murray in that respect. Just kind of, he's not just hanging out there playing the root notes. He's doing some nice, really tasty fills. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, it, it would have been, it, I mean, it would have been easy to just grab uh, just a bass player and be like, okay, don't, 
don't do anything. <laughs> don't do anything <laughs> uh, remarkable. Hey, here's your base. Don't do anything. <laughs> don't do anything. But you stupid. know what I mean. It's <laughs> here's the, here's your base. Don't do anything. Don't stupid. screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Mister Galley, uh, <laughs> sir. Uh, but uh, it's uh, but I like the fact that they. Um, um, that at least in the the first couple of songs, they're they're letting them shine, be part of the the uh, the music rather than fade into the background and be like, well, uh, we're the legacy members, so you just sit back here and play the root note, right? Um, but um, but yeah, I thought that that was um, there were some elements in there that made the song uh, interesting, and they're they're pretty good. I just I still have a little maybe a little qualm with the, the tempo of the songs. I'm hoping for a little more up-tempo rocker yeah. uh, pretty soon. But yeah, other than that, pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. I'll give this one a three. Um, I like it. I think the, uh, the drums definitely do have that dry sound that you used to with trapeze, but it's sound, they just sound more distant. So they've got the, like the, the yeah. sound is there. It's just, they're not, they don't sound as full, even though they, they do have kind of the same, overall timbre to them mm-hmm. um all right next track up is a track called this sounds like the ultimate 70s track midnight flyer <laughs> That sounds like some classic trapeze there. Yeah, this is awesome. This has uh, John Ogden on congas again and Terry Rowley doing the synthesizer. All right. So I wonder if this sounds like you almost part of it could be on like play it out yeah it's that glenn hughes style he's doing on his vocals combined with the effect that's on his vocals because it's so heavily affected on play it out play me out (laughs) play it out the post malone album that guitar in the background is so good It makes you wonder what the conversation was. Were they were they going for that? Were they intentionally trying to mimic Hughes? I mean, it sounds like they must be, right? Or, I mean, this was really before Hughes was as funky as this. Because he, he started off being somewhat like that, but was was like Mel Galley more the guy that was the influence for that like you well, know what I mean you know it, it kind of makes me think of like um our friend Dan and you remember Ron Howard right yeah my friend Ron Howard not the director <laughs> yeah they grew up playing music together we were in bands together the, the, the three of us and um they would they sing they would they would kind of 
bounce off of each other and they would influence each other and to the point where they they would sing they started singing alike and sometimes you could you you couldn't tell like who was singing what if you weren't watching or if you if, if it was a recording right. so i wonder if it's just being together and growing up together like that playing music you just start kind of you get in this feedback feedback loop together and you develop a similar style so that could be part of it yeah so i'm I mean, I guess it's easy with all the stuff that we know about Hughes and have heard from him over the years to say that this was mimicking him, but I'm, I'm more inclined to believe that it was what, what you kind of said with uh, the way that your uh, friends were growing up is like these two guys probably played off each other and had similar styles. So this was actually his style. And it happens with playing too. You know, you start, you know, you're in a band with another player and they you, you start learning from them that their style and their licks and you play them back to them and because I mean listen to this I mean this is great yeah this is such a like you said it sounds like something that could have been on Hughes's later solo album or similar to like way back to the bone yep um, or could have been like uh, getting tighter. Way back to the bone always makes me laugh. I'm sorry. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> huh, bone. <laughs> Mel Galley, what a shame. He passed away so young. Hmm. It sounds like female backing vocals there. Yeah. But there's none credited. Oh, it says on here, although it's not listed on the on Discogs, backing vocals, Pete, Rob, Mel, Kenny, and Misty. So maybe Misty's mixed up a little higher. Maybe. She did uh, background backing vocals with Freddie King, so she's no slouch. I like the little the little false ending and then it goes right back into the groove. That's a that's a sneaky little trick. I like it. You can really wow. hear that snarling bass light at the end. Boom! You just feel those frets. There was a little bit of um, that um, that part in between the funky parts. Kind of um, kind of reminded me of something from Aerosmith, but I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah. The oh okay. 
Not the, not the, definitely not the funky part. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, I mean, you could, you could argue that uh, something like uh, Walk This Way is akin to that. Although, this is totally different. Yeah. But I'm just saying that other part, that more rock type of part sounded like, um, like an Aerosmith type of thing. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing some, some things that are not necessarily, um, a, um, like a, a ripoff of other bands, but just kind of other bands around the time, around that time, I think were kind of doing a lot of the same things. So I think it was, um, yeah, it was good though. Um, yeah, they sound very American. It doesn't sound like a, they don't sound like a British band at this point. Mm. And probably because they had so much success in America and spent so much time in America, probably playing with American bands. Um, anyway, what do you uh, think of Midnight Flyer? Well, this was a good one. Um, I'm a little, a little trouble rating it here. Boy, you can see he's he's sweating already at this early hour. Mm. Um. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. All right. I was going to rate it a little bit lower, but I, I actually do think that this is a, a mid-tempo type of song that works well as a mid-tempo type of song. It's very um, in the trapeze mold, very funky, very cool, mm -hmm. um, and done very well, too. I mean, we were I know we were kind of talking over uh, a lot of it, but I was listening, and the just the, the stuff that they were doing during the extended... Yeah, breakdown was uh, was very very cool. Not um, I don't know if it was as energetic um, or as uh, captured that lightning light when they when they had Hughes, but it's uh, it's it was definitely really good and in that mold. I am also going to give it a four. It's too funky for me to give it any less. And I think when you're <laughs> the things they were doing were so funky, like when they did that little stop and then they went right back into the groove. I mean, when it grooves yeah. like that, you can't you can't really go at too much higher a tempo or else you lose that kind of feel of it. And uh, it works really well with this stuff. I, I can see what you're saying on the other two tracks where they're kind of, they were a little more straightforward rock. So you could stand up the tempo a little bit, but with this mm -hmm. one, it's, it's just perfect. They're just in that pocket the whole time. And um, yeah, I love it. It's a great track. All right. The next track up is called wake up, shake up. That's what we did this morning. <laughs> it sounds like Tommy Bolin. <laughs> nice. I kind of see what they're going for here. Mm-hmm. So he throws this, this extended guitar riff intro, and then they have this this kind of big entrance into the song. Very grandiose sounding. Yep. So they're, they're trying to go for that kind of feel here. Like, make it feel very big and blown up. I like it. Scott just texted me, Scott Beejan, and asked me if the song that I 
that we used to play is available to stream anywhere. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> what song? I like that's uh, Baby I'm Back. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not on any streaming platforms. <laughs> but I'm glad that's the first thing he's thinking of this morning. <laughs> I'll have to send him an MP3. Let's see, this is um, Mel Galley solo. Now, I like that it's got, on the album itself, it says who does which solos. Very Megadeth. Mm, uh, I like when Megadeth tells you, like, breaks down who does the each solo. Because well, Dave like Mustaine isn't going to let you guessing. think that he's not playing any solos. <laughs> I like it's I like that it's so free and filly and you know like throwing in drum fills and throwing in bass fills everywhere it's just it doesn't make it too too busy either it's just really yeah spices everything up Basically, pretty similar tempo, though, right? It's kind of another mid-tempo one. Yeah, this one feels maybe a slight bit faster, yeah. but I haven't done any fade-outs yet. We're done with the first side, but. Wake up, shake up. We've we've woken up. How do you shake this one up? What do you what do you give we've it? Shook, we've we've woken up, up and we've shoken up. <laughs> we've woke up and shoke up. Yeah. I said shoken. Shoken. It's not a word. Um, <laughs> Neither is shoke. <laughs> hmm. Either well, yeah, but shoke sounds more if you say it in a sentence, it sounds more like it could be a real hmm. word. I, I have shoke. It's probably like an old English thing that went out of favor in the fourteenth century or Woke something. up, shoke up. They <laughs> said, Well, I've shoken. Yeah, didn't shoken. didn't that wasn't one of Shakespeare's sonnets called Woke Up, Shoke Up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you being serious? I don't know. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a Shakespeare in uh, oh, person. Oh, I lost it. <laughs> you can tell by the way you uh, <laughs> by the, by the way you presented it. Well, I thought it was Judy Dench I was on the on this call with for a second. <laughs> I am not a Shakespeare-arian person. <laughs> All right. Anywho, Anywho. Um, I'll I'll give that one a three. Yep. Um, I I think it, it's it's. Um, it's starting to fall into filler territory. Yeah. 
um, right now. Uh, I, I think a lot of the songs are starting to sound uh, similar. So unless they do something different, this might be the road we're going down. Yep, I give it a three as well for those same reasons. And you know what? We're, we're flipping it over to side two now. And the song is called Turn It On. So let's turn it on and see. Are they going to get out of the mid-tempo territory? Are they going to do anything different? Let's check it out. This sounds like old school trapeze. Yeah. I love the stuff that second guitar is doing, and I don't know if that is um, Rob or Mel that's doing it, but. that like great little treble like sort of treble forward bass I don't know what kind of bass he's playing but nice little treble forward bass and yeah. a treble punch and then you've got the little very like um, like muted very very gently picked guitar matching it it's a really nice effect I think it's another way back to the bone type of yeah. Thing, how it starts at the beginning, the bum 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 And you get that little synthesizer buzzing in. Nothing wrong with that. It's Terry Rowley there. That was like a little tease. That was kind of the thing. I was like, hey, just letting you know I'm in this song, and I'll check in back with you later. <laughs> I don't know. He's not credited as a solo on this one, so I don't know if he's going to throw anything else in. I love how dynamically all over the place this song is. Like, I, I, this is one of those ones I could just imagine them playing live and just sounding awesome. Hmm. Yeah.
This is great. realize with that drum head behind me I look like the Scarabus album cover. <laughs> it's like all lit up. That's another one where that those those vocal effects made it sound very play me out. I mean all these guys would be on play me out anyway, basically. Yeah. I wonder why, I mean, because Trapeze would end up getting another singer after this. So I wonder why Mel Galley didn't do more singing in the original light up because he's a great singer. Oh, maybe, um, maybe he's more comfortable just. Yeah, maybe he just um, live. He just didn't want to handle so much of those duties or even on the album for that matter. Yeah, well, he certainly, I mean, steps in and fills some pretty big shoes very well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you think of Turn It On? <laughs> um. <laughs> what do you do? Are you, are you reading the Sunday comics? <laughs> you're no, like, no. You're like chuckling. <laughs> no, because it's, no, because sometimes when it, when it, <laughs> Um, when I turned it, um, when the, when I close the sheet closes down, so I have to keep reopening yeah. it, it really closed down on me. So that's why it sometimes takes me a minute. Do you do it on your um, phone? Hmm? You do, you do yeah. the sheet on your phone. Why don't you do it on your computer? Because I'm watching us on the computer. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I don't know. Maybe I'll try and. Hey, you know what? You've been doing this for 238 episodes. <laughs> I don't want to throw a monkey wrench into it now. <laughs> Seems to be working for you for the most part. So, so the next one, they're just like, something's different. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I don't doing know. the spreadsheet I, on the computer. Ever since episode Ooh. 239, it just doesn't feel the same. They lost the, uh, the podcast magic is gone. The magic is boo. It's gone. We can't, we can tell the way he's reading it. The way he's not fumbling as <laughs> the much way he anymore. have to keep reopening it. <laughs> All right. Um, what's up? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it does have a lot of good elements in it. Uh, I just think that a lot, of, a lot of these songs are sounding similar. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like I could listen to this one or I could listen to one of the other ones on side one. Yeah. Um, there's like not an, there's like not a ton of stuff to distinguish them. Plus the fact that I think that the vocals are kind of wearing thin on me. I think in the same way that Husey's vocals on play me out did is, is when they're too, when they're too affected like that. And when you're doing too much, too many vocal acrobatics. It just gets a little tiring. Okay. Because I mean, there's only so much that can go, you know, before it's like, all right, this is like a lot. You <laughs> like back down a little bit. All right. So I, I think it's, I think it's that. And I think it's the vocal effects too. All right. Fair enough. 
Yeah, they're just getting a kind of uh, monotonous. All right. Um. Okay. So, um, oh, I didn't read it. Three point five. <laughs> no, you did not. I like. It. I mean, it's like, yeah. I, I think there's there's not a a huge wide range of different kinds of styles on this album, but what they're putting forward, I'm I'm really digging. It's definitely, it's a vibe. It's a, it's a mood. <laughs> I like it. It's a vibe. It's giving seventies funk. Oh, uh, that that'll that'll pull in some of our Gen Z viewers. <laughs> yeah, as we as we as we shoddily uh, recreate these things that we <laughs> have you ever seen? <laughs> it's like a, it's like one of those videos that goes around. It's like what if like a 1980s bully showed up to uh, school now? Yeah, and <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> The guy's like, hey, give me your lunch money. And the, and the kid's like, oh, it's giving broke boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Uh, all right. So Venmo me your lunch money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have Zell? If you don't have Venmo, I'll take Zell. Um, all right. Did next you rate try- it? What's that? Did you rate yes, it? Yes. 3.5. Oh, okay. Um, All right, next track up is Steal a Mile. (laughs) It's almost like the same riff from the previous song, but it's like in a happy. It's like (laughs) it's a major version. Man, it sounds so Husey. This one also features a sax solo by Chris Mercer and synth by Terry Rowley, eventually. hear it yeah it's in there it's a little subdued oh I can hear it now yeah I feel like when the drums came in it should have like really kicked in with some heavier bass this is the one that was co-written by um, Dave Holland Backing vocals, Kenny Cole, Misty Browning, and Terry Rowley. An upbeat little ditty. Well, like now how I was just talking about his vocals were heavily affected and now he seems to be singing 
no effects. Yeah. This this seems to be like a very minimally effects driven song. Just very bare bones. Sounds good. I, the way they produce it so that it sounds like it's three women singing by somehow like it must be like lifting her voice in the mix it sounds like it's pretty impressive so I would mm. never guess that that's like two guys and Misty hmm here comes Chris Mercer Listen here if it's like the uh, the sax solo on uh, what's that? You know the big sax solo on uh, the the. Why the hell can't I think of the song? Well, if I help you, it matters that you see. You know that that song. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard to think of another song when you're listening to a song? <laughs> Because you're you're listening to this song, I know it's just and so, you, it's, it's frustrating. You can't separate it in your head. But then it just like pops in your in your. A damn for all time, thank you. Must blend into the next song because that was an abrupt stop. Steal a mile, mm. stole a mile, stolen a mile. How do you feel after stealing a mile, John? What's your? Um, I'll give it a two point five. Um, middle middle of the road for me. Average average song. Yep. Um, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing I've heard in here that's bad. No. It's just, um, yeah, just just average. All right, that's it. Um, I will also give it a two point five. Yeah, it's it's very like easy listening sort of mm. sort of track. Um, not necessarily like my favorite style, but you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty little ditty. Just not necessarily my uh, top style. Um. So yeah. the second track on the album, the penultimate track, is a tune called Going Home. This features solos by both guitar players. And synth by Terry Rowley. Mm-hmm. 
It's trying to start the lawnmower. Again, kind of affected with that delay on the vocals. Mm-hmm. Flange on the drums there. This is a very, I don't know what this riff reminds me of, but it's like. It's just very familiar sounding. I feel like, um, I don't know why I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm able to easily think of some of these, but it kind of reminds me of something that that band Greta Van Fleet oh, did there you go. a few years ago, maybe on their first single or their first album. I think it's just that style of riff. backwards guitar solo okay a little experimental here so this one says that Rob's solo is on the right channel and Mel's is in the left very trippy Are you opening the spreadsheet on your computer now? Why? No, it just looked like you were. <laughs> you were. You, it looked like you were doing it. <laughs> I, I might. I might be trying to mess with perfection. <laughs> I'm just now. I'm curious. I'm gonna have to do this later. <laughs> I can tell you're looking up and you're like looking. <laughs> you look like you just walked into a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can't. I don't know how to open it. Vocals, I think, are a little lost in the mix, too. Partially from the effects, but partially they just seem a little low. Yeah.
Scott's texting me all the songs he wants me to put on Spotify. <laughs> I love it. I do have to get our stuff out because I'm always like telling people about it. I'm like, I don't know where the hell it is. It's like, I just put it up there. Wow. The UFO takes off. It's like, it was like they all boarded the UFO to go to go record "Play Me Out" in a few years. <laughs> Space. <laughs> well, we haven't we haven't pulled that one out in a while. No, it's Space. been a long time. <laughs> Hundreds of episodes. Oof. All right, going home. What do you think, John? Uh, it's going home with a two point five. All right. It's like, um, yeah, it's another uh, another filler. Yeah, just. Kind of, kind of plodding along a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I just think I think the songs are just the uh, tempos are just too, just they drag a little too much for my liking. Yeah, and I think it's kind of um, all the songs are like long. Yeah. And by long, I mean they're all like I'm, I'm just scrolling through. I think the shortest song is four minutes and forty five seconds. Right? Oh no, four minutes ish. Yeah. But there's a lot of five-minute songs and things that maybe don't... Like, I really liked what they did with um, Midnight Flyer, and that is mm-hmm. actually the longest song on the album, but I feel like it went a lot of different places, uh, but these, mm-hmm. maybe not so much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three. I I dug it, but yeah, it's starting to get a little... I think putting this whole album on as a... Like like I said, as a vibe in the background, it's the times I've listened to it is really good. But listening to it a little more critically, I can see kind of, kind of how some of it sounds a little more samey. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're up to the last track. It is a short. That being said, it's a short album overall, um, mm. uh, with only eight tracks. Uh, so it it, just, it almost seems like yeah, some some of them might have been just getting kind of filled out to to space it up. But anyway, the final track is a song called Feel It Inside. The subtly titled. Sounds like a Whitesnake song. <laughs> nice. I feel like this is right in your wheelhouse. It is. John Ogden and Congas again. Terry on electric piano and sol- uh, solos and slide guitar by Mel. It says tambourine. Dave Holland, and then it says, oh, it says everybody got to clap, so I guess everyone's clapping, doing the claps. Thank you. 
Oh, I just realized this is a really long song. <laughs> I was not paying attention at the time. It's like, holy crap. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's three minutes. It's like, no, it's eight minutes. Almost nine. Oy. Well, explains why he's complimenting some solos on the liner notes here. It's weird that Terry Rowley like left the band, but then was like constantly guesting on the albums. Synth solo. Or no, it sounds more like electric piano, like a Rhodes or something. Mm. With like a, a wah pedal on it, maybe. Because in the liner notes, he says Kung Funk Rowley for his solo on Feel It. You felt it. Kung Funk. Speaking of Kung Fu, did you see the guy that was talking about the crane kick? No. I'm going to have to send you that one. You'll you'll appreciate it. I'm sure I will. (laughs) It being Karate Kid reference. Speaking of Kung Fu and Karate. So clearly double tracking his solos. up to the lyrics for the song and what came up was something from reddit that says i find it hard to believe dick would do trapeze Hmm. Ah. i don't want to click on that one the problem with trapeze is they're such a kind of obscure band that you come up with a lot of search results that are actually about like the trapeze (laughs) the man on the flying trapeze fake ending here.
What are they saying? Bless my soul with rock and roll. sites are horrible I can't find anything <laughs> forget it so I feel like my first impression I guess not my first impression but my overall impressions there there's a lot of these like they're really nice funky little breakdowns but there's maybe too many of them in this album as a whole yeah and that's I coming from the, me the, Loves nothing more than a little funky breakdown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it kind of loses a little something when it's kind of in every song. Yeah. If, if you have, like, one or two, I can... I just... I know that the... Uh, um, way Back to the Bone, I keep re-referencing that, but that's that's one of the kind of best breakdowns on that album because you don't have 10 of them on there. Yeah. Or like uh, the breakdown on Getting Tighter or the breakdown on like, was it LA Cutoff that has that little funky yeah. sort of thing. Like if you, yeah, if you pepper those through the entire album, yeah, it gets a little bit like, okay, we're doing this again, you know, it gets a little well, formulaic. Yeah, it, stand, it stands out. Uh, like you talked about Getting Tighter. That stands out so much because there's nothing else like that in the Deep Purple catalog. Yeah, that's let true. Alone on, <laughs> let alone on the album. Yeah, even on the album, but yeah. Because I remember the first time hearing that, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. It's just like floors you. Like, what's going on? And then they never do it again. And it's like kind of leaving them wanting more sort of situation that makes that um, that part really work for me anyway. Yeah. All right, bless my soul. Some rock and roll. Feel it inside. What do you What do you give in this one? Two, a two, really? Yeah, I can't. I I was just too long. I was just kind of tuned out for most of it. Yeah, um, I think it it just kind of ends the album on a little bit of a thud here. Yeah, um, I I think just for all the reasons that we were saying is is there's too much of the same throughout the whole album. Yeah, plus I don't know. I feel like. I feel like an eight-minute song belongs in the middle of the album unless you have something really uh, epic to go out on. Yeah. All right. So, and and this this was not it. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll give it a 2.5. Um, I mean, I like what they're doing here, but yeah, I, I can see where it's kind of gotten to the point where it's, yeah, it's just a little... A little much, but anywho, that mm-hmm. is Trapeze Hotwire. And as John fumbles with the spreadsheets, um, I will do something else, which is to thank our amazing patrons um, at the foundation level tier. So big appreciation to all of them for tr- contributing to the show and supporting us at the $3.50 deep purple New York tier we have none other than Lord Longford 
At the three pound aromatic feed tier, Simon Ford and Richard Brees. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. And at the $3 nobody's perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback. Stuart McCord. Then we have the one, the only. Ivan Field Boo. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard. Ruinous inadequacies. John Maselli. Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette. Uh, at the $1.71 I want my own tier tier, we have... Rich. At the 10 kroner tier, Karsten Lau. And then at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the Feel It Inside the Tomb, Leaky Mausoleum. Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, <coughs> Blackmore Tights, Steve Down to Earth, Kohler, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Enders Angstrom, and Ashley Still I Hear, Burn Rose. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. Well, folks, it is that time. We've gotten there. You know what time it is. You know what we do at this point, And that is to bust out the spreadsheets. All right, John. I don't know because it's not in. <laughs> it's oh, okay. not under the album. Didn't, didn't this happen last time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh crap. Um. Oh yeah. It, it is not in there. Well, you know what? Let's um. <laughs> let's. Hey, I'm gonna play another busting out the spreadsheet, <laughs> and I'm gonna fix it. <laughs> A two for one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the word. Now I'm going to do this one. Okay. It gave me time to actually find that one. Oh, All okay. right. John. Where does Trapeze Hotwire fall in the uh, pantheon of album reviews? 6.13 ratings. Right. So it's, uh, it's uh, not so good. It's not so high. And trapeze is actually kind of down pretty low. Say yeah, a bit on it's the lower down side. pretty low. I mean, there are some bright spots on the album, but uh, we actually had uh, a little, a little bit of a variance, which is uh, not, not too surprising. Um, and it's, uh, oh, it's between uh, "Deep Purple New York" by Various and 
Gillen's Magic. There you go. Which, um, yep. Actually, it's yeah, it's significantly below Deep Purple New York. But yeah, I, I think that it's um, yeah, there are a lot of good, uh, a lot of good elements on this album. But I just think that without the the original chemistry of what they had for those couple of albums with the trio and with Hughes, um, whatever they did right there was kind of a lightning in a bottle type of thing. Yeah. Just for the uh, Medusa, you were the music. And then when he left, it was, um, you know, I think like what you were saying before a little, um, I don't know if you said it, but I, I think the, the sentiment was, is kind of meandering. Yeah. Um, uh, when there, when there were too many five, six minute songs with funky breakdowns, it, it just kind of all mushes together in your head. You need a couple of kind of shorter, snappier songs, uh, some up tempo, some down tempo. Um, uh, a ballad would have been nice in there. I mean, uh, Mel Galley's got a great voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like. Um, not another coast to coast, but something like that uh, to kind of break it up. That's what the other albums had was a lot more uh, kind of diversity like that. And maybe that's what it is. It's like, you know, when you, you say a word, like, and you just keep saying it, saying it, saying it, it doesn't sound like a word anymore. It's kind of yeah. like when you put funk and funk and funk and funk, it doesn't sound funky anymore. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you take it isolated, like that track, um, the track that we really liked, uh, the hell is it what's the one we really liked i can't find it here <laughs> the spreadsheet's messed um, up uh, fumbling with the spreadsheet midnight flyer like yeah like it, it yeah, seems to good. work really well on that one but yeah maybe it maybe it's just i mean they're all good grooves they're all good riffs they're all you know the songs are pretty good it's there's nothing bad on the album yeah but it just it starts to get a little formulaic a little repetitive um, yeah i think yeah repetitive whereas uh when we when you hear, we were saying before, when you hear that funky breakdown, we've we've listened to albums before. We're like, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's or, just like, yeah, ooh. it gets it grabs your attention, but it does it doesn't grab your attention anymore on this one. I, yeah. I think that they would have benefited or, from oh, a, yeah. from a producer who maybe would have reeled that in a little bit more. You know, it makes me think of um um. <laughs> it's uh maybe maybe this would be better for a white snake album but i think the comparison uh just because it's sexual is a, <laughs> it's a no there was a um um like a therapist guy that i follow follow on social media and uh he he does a lot of uh quick kind of a uh, relationship advice type of things mm-hmm. and there was um a lot of these guys are really good at putting things into words like you never know how to put your finger on it and it's uh he was talking about um um, about um, cheating mm-hmm. or getting getting tired with your partner, and it's just like you have. Uh, we we all know what that the the rush of that first time feels like. Mm-hmm. So why do you why do you keep needing to chase it? Yeah, like yep. what's the like? We all know what it. We all know what that feels like. The rush of meeting somebody new or doing something dangerous or whatever. And I, I feel like that that's almost like a, a thing for, we, we all know what that, that cool funky breakdown is. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a nice, it's a nice surprise to hear it, but it's just like when you keep doing it all the time, you keep chasing it on every track on the album. It just becomes like, 
all right, do I really do I really need to do this? Yeah, it's like you're chasing that high, and every time it gets a little lower. Yeah, you know, it's like you're addicted, because you're just you're like okay, to chasing that funk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. But anyway, but, yeah, I don't know if that was a perfect analogy, but I think it's just no, kind I, of I, like uh, I get it. I get it. If you, uh, yeah, if you, if you, if you know what it is, it's just like savor it, savor the funk. So I just sent you a text message. So my buddies, uh, a bunch of my friends went down to Kentucky this weekend and they were like, mm-hmm. you should come with us on this trip. And I was like, I can't, it's like, it's my birthday weekend. I got work, all that sort of stuff. So they, uh, yesterday on my birthday, they sent, they texted me all these pictures. <laughs> um, so apparently they, they printed out a literal, literal life-size picture of me on like cardboard and they're taking it around wow. them everywhere. I I have to say that if you if you didn't tell me that this was a cardboard cutout, I would have thought that that was you. the like, one in the bar. Yeah, like the one outside, like you can tell because it's a little like light. But the one yeah. of me, like they have me behind the bar with the bartender. It looks like I'm legitimately there. <laughs> if yeah. anything, they made me a little taller than I actually am because the guy um, in the uh, what what picture is it? The guy in the in the first picture I sent you, he's he's a pretty mm-hmm. tall guy, so I'm definitely. And then the guy to the right of him is my brother-in-law, <laughs> and he's a pretty tall guy. I'm more the the the, the height of the guy all the way on the left. <laughs> but I'm glad they uh, I'm glad they're thinking wow, of me. That's that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty uh, that's dedication right there. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, the, and then they're probably gonna bring back that cutout of me. <laughs> if they do, I'll put it back there. <laughs> That'll be the greatest gift of all. Hey, that would be something good to put in the uh, the ditty bag. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to fold it like fifteen times. <laughs> be all ruined. Special delivery, yeah, life yeah, size cutout. We didn't talk about larger that, but than life size cutout of Nate. Yeah, if you want to be our hundredth uh, review, our hundredth five star review on Apple Podcasts or Apple iTunes or whatever, Apple whatever the hell it's called, <laughs> you know what it is. Where you get the podcasts? Um, yeah, you'll get a deep purple podcast goodie bag so do it we're getting closer and closer every time so all right john well it's early in the morning but i'm gonna go walk the dog and take the kids out and get ready for lunch in a little bit oh my god they're sending me more pictures (laughs) they're really going crazy oh boy cardboard nate is having a hell of a weekend (laughs) well regular yeah regular nate's in his basement talking to me about they're in kentucky doing like a bourbon tour too so so real nate is much less hungover than Cardboard Nate feels like you felt this morning. Oh boy. Well, with that, maybe I should take you out on some penny whistle. <laughs> I do have a new I don't I don't hear it again. Oh, you can't hear it, that's right. I'm gonna yeah, just do gonna it. take the filter off. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. Perfect. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much... It's a lot less funky than what we've been listening to. <laughs> May I do a funky breakdown? All right. We're losing the plot here. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. I do, have a, I do have a surprise instrument back here, too. For It's, it's not necessarily a percussion instrument, but I, yeah. I saw it, and I was like, you know, I've been wanting one of those, so I just bought it. Kind of like this, this mug I've been drinking out of, the Stan's yeah. Donuts mug. Yeah. See, it's got a hole in the middle where the donut is. Oh. I didn't notice that. So it's, yeah, it's got like an actual hole. You can see through it. Very nice. I can see you. 
And I was like, every time I go to Stan's Donuts, I see this mug, and I'm like, that's a cool mug. And then I was there the other day, and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, how many times do you go, go through life? I'm going to buy this damn mug, so it's fantastic. Yeah, why not? How do you have a mug with a hole straight through it, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, I bought this instrument, and I will, I will debut it on the show when we get our 100th uh, with, a, with a special track. I got cooked up for our 100th review, so. If that's not motivation to write our 100th review, I don't know what is. Ooh. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you next week with another exciting right. episode of the Deep Purple Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See DeepPurplePodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Uh, would you like shit audio or focus right? Shit audio, please. <laughs> <laughs>